Hello, and welcome to the Daydream Believers podcast. I'm your host, Liz Chirelli. Here, you'll find a monthly dose of insight to help keep you motivated, inspired, and informed so you can continue working towards your dreams. We cover a variety of topics from mindset to health to strategy so you can become the person you need to be in order to turn your dreams into reality. Every now and then, we'll also bring in some music artists to showcase some of the finest electronic music out there. Thanks for listening, and remember to head to lizchirelli.com to download a free morning motivation that'll guarantee you start each day strong and stay on the path to success. Now, on to the show. Hello, Liz here, and welcome to another episode of the Daydream Believers podcast. I am so excited to be welcoming back the awesome Dee Grant-Smith to the podcast. For those of you who aren't familiar with this extraordinary human being, Dee is a growth farmer, aka a coach who empowers people to be their best, love who they are, and create strong connections. I absolutely love his work and his core principle, which is your heart and your mind is a garden. What you plant inside yourself with your thoughts, beliefs, and patterns produce fruit in your actions, attitudes, and behaviors, which is pretty much what we were just chatting about, wasn't it, Dee? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly that, so, which I guess makes it true, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, Dee, I would love for you to tell the listeners what we're going to be chatting about on this episode. I'd love for them to hear it from your words. Well, thank you, Liz. Uh, it's always a joy to talk with you. It's always a joy to, to experience your joy when you just, you, you just radiate it. It's, it's, it's awesome. So, so you give me a good day already. Oh, uh, t- today, I really want to connect with you guys on a subject that uh, all of us deal with on a regular basis, but we kind of tend to brush it aside because it's not necessarily work-related, but it is everything work-related because it has to do with how we treat ourselves and our own passions and our own creativity. And what I'm talking about is our interpersonal relationships. And our interpersonal relationships impact and influence and affect us in conscious ways and in subconscious ways. And if you find yourself in a relationship with a friend or a family member or a significant other where there's tension and there's strife and maybe there's some unhealthy or dysfunctional patterns in this person and they're projecting that stuff onto you and you're not aware of it, it can impact the way that you see yourself, which has everything to do with the way that you deliver your work, the way that you impact other people, the way you operate out of your passion, whether or not you operate out of your passion, whether or not you really give and be your best or whether or not you operate out of this place of disempowerment and where you suddenly and over a period of time feel like you're unworthy, you're not good enough, you don't have what it takes. All this stuff is not just that there's something wrong with you necessarily, it a lot, a lot of times has to do with the negative impact of the relationships that you're in. And so that's really what I want to talk about today. Mm, fantastic. I think it's a, it's a really poignant topic and one that doesn't often get discussed openly yeah, because uh, of something we were talking about just a minute ago, um, because of shame. Yeah. And we feel like we've got to have all of our stuff together all yeah. the time. We've got to be projecting. We've got to be showcasing this 
this person that's perfect because yeah. if we're not perfect and we're, if, if we show any sort of vulnerability or some sort of, sort of weakness or chink in the armor or whatever, then people are gonna be like, Oh crap. I don't know if I want to get close to that person because they don't have all their stuff together. Well, I'm a human without, without all my stuff together. So cheers to you if you're like me. Yes, I'll drink to that. <laughs> We're all human after all. I'd love for us to discuss a bit more about how maybe first and foremost, we can deal with situations when our relationships with someone special or someone close to us does go in the wrong direction. What can we do? Like, how, how can we heal that? Well, I, th- I, think, I think that's a really, really big question. Um, and if it's okay, I'd just like to, to like get some specifics so that mm-hmm. makes, it a little bit, it makes it a little bit easier for me to be able to address it. Yeah, sure. But uh, let, let's, 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 talk about, let's talk about a relationship with, um, well, what hits, hits closest to home for me is let's talk about a relationship with a significant other. Mm-hmm. So maybe that is your, maybe you're in a, a dating relationship maybe you're married uh, or, or maybe, you know, this is somebody that you, you spend a lot of time with and you feel that, that close connected, that bond with. Um, the number one thing in all relationships is for you to love and respect yourself um, primarily because that's where all of the love and the devotion and the caring and the giving that you give out to other people. Like, this is something I wrote about on my blog not too long ago. Um, your, your heart and your mind are definitely a garden, but uh, there's other metaphors that apply too. One of them is your, your heart is a well, like an old fashioned well, like that's dug in the ground and goes deep. And what's down there is water. And, you know, back in the day before we had indoor plumbing, all of our communities had, had wells. We had some sort of water source mm-hmm. where, you know, we, for your family, your family got a series of buckets and they went to wherever the water source was and they brought that back. And that's what they gave you know, your, your parents or your, or your, or your siblings, like all of, all of you had to go get water from this place. And then that's what you were able to give from. Mm. You didn't just have this source inside your house like we do now. Hmm. So, but, but, but that's that, that well is what we're operating from every single day. And so if, if that, if people are drawing out of your well and they're not, they're either not giving back to you or they're just taking and then in disregarding you, then you, that well doesn't get filled back up. And so you, you, you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup and you can't give from an empty well. Mm-hmm. And so it's important for us. You're talking about how do you heal from things? The, the number one way that you, the number one way that you live with peace and you live with happiness and you have joy, like all the good things that we want in life that comes from the well. And then the way that you heal when things are not going right, that comes from the well too. And so the, it, it begins with not letting anybody else steal your value from you. Not letting, not letting anybody else take away from you the worth that you are. And so if in your closest relationships with someone, the, the, the person or the people that you are giving the most to, if that's not a reciprocated relationship where all they're doing is taking and then they're belittling you or they're projecting their insecurities on top of you, or they're telling you all the things that you're not, and or, or, or punishing you for something that you did or you didn't do, like all of those things are toxic and dysfunctional and unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the difficulty that we have 
as people who are loving and giving it kind, not to say that the other person isn't loving and giving it kind, but if their patterns and their behaviors aren't reflecting that kindness and that love and that givingness, then the difficulty is separating yourself out even for a little while because it's like you don't want to lose what you have. But if, if, you have, um, if you have a sickness in your body that's like attached to you, you can think that it's part of your body and that it's good, but if it's killing you, then it's not good. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to advocate for separation or divorce or anything like that because I went through that last year and it was utter hell. And I don't want anybody to experience that. But it's important in this context for us to understand that sometimes being away from someone who is causing you emotional upheaval and you getting to a place where you love yourself and you can bring that wholeness back to the relationship and there can be a whole collaboration together again. That's what needs to happen because that's in your best interest. And that's, what's in the best interest of the other person. Like two broken people trying to co-mingle together is just going to create a whole lot of hell and nobody wants to live in hell, but two people working on wholeness and committing to not only be with each other, but committing to be whole together that's a much better, that's a much better scenario and a much better, more loving and affirming and empowering relationship. And so, um, that, that's very big picture. What that looks like on a, on a more personal one-to-one level is going to, going to differ. It's going to differ per person. Mm. And so I'm, what I, what I want to do is not necessarily, cause I can't in this kind of scenario, give you specific things to do to change that sort of connection but instead give you an understanding of like, okay, wholeness has got to be the goal. Love has to be the goal. Making sure that your heart well is full of energy and full of love and full of joy and that you are filling it back up and not just letting other people take from you or not just giving it away without filling it back up. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing. Mm-hmm. For kind of, actually two things came from that. The first is when you were talking about nourishing yourself in order to help heal a toxic situation Uh, in my own past experiences as well and it's been so challenging to do this while you're in the midst of a kind of toxic situation but I found that when I've been able to even if I've not been able to remove myself from the situation itself but when I've just been able to heal myself and heal or at least appease the demons within me that are perhaps antagonizing the situation and become more conscious of them and more aware of them and how, how my behavior is actually adding fuel to the toxicity mm. and trying to reduce that behavior. I've found that one of two things happens. The other person either gets more and more irritated by it at the, as you start to heal and react less, or they start coming up to a different level and slowly you start to be able to communicate like adults again and heal the toxicity um, that's occurring together. <laughs> your, 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 your phrasing of that was just absolutely perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always easy to do when you're in a, a really toxic situation and tempers are flaring. It shows you the nature of what your partnership actually is because yeah. a partner is somebody who is working alongside you yeah. for your betterment and for their betterment. But when, when, when you're approaching something and trying to find like 
trying to find answers to the problem. The problem might be your relationship or the problem might be something that, that they feel really strongly about and all they do is focus and talk about the problem but like they're not listening to solutions and you're trying to bring answers because you love them enough you to hate seeing them in a, in a terrible place. Mm-hmm. But when, when, when you don't get your partner to co-partner with you in solving the problem and they continue to go down this path of no this sucks and I hate it and I'm I'm miserable and I, and things are always terrible and I'm so afraid and I'm so scared and I don't like this and da 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 and you, I'm going to tell you this stuff but but I'm not going to listen to you mm. and, and like that that tells you in very real terms it tells you verbally and it tells you emotionally and in some ways it tells you physically like you don't you're not this person's still in your life but this person's not the partner that they were and that, to me, when, when that's the experience, that's the most detrifying experience because you are partnered, but your partner doesn't want to be the partner anymore. Mm. And so what do you do and how do you heal that and how do you deal with it? I think depends on the nature of, of the individual. And there's not a blanket box that you can put all people in for that sort of thing. Um, but I do think that re- irregardless of your situation, the only person that's going to take care of you and make sure that you're okay, the only person that's going to do that is you. And mm-hmm. even if, let's, let's, let's flip the script around a little bit too, because we're talking about, you know, what if your partner is the one that's dysfunctional and you're the one that's trying to be whole? What if, what if the situation's skewed? What if you realize you've got dysfunctional patterns and you realize that you're the one causing a lot of strife and a lot of issues and your partner is wanting to heal that, but you just don't feel it anymore. What do you do then? I think that in that situation, hearing me say, well, you're the only one that's going to fully love you. you, And you're like, no, they fully love me, but I'm just not really all that fond of this. Like you have to get to this place you have to get to this place where you decide who you are and who you're going to be. And that's what you live out of. And if you recognize that you've got dysfunctional patterns in your life, then you're either going to decide that you're going to be dysfunctional or you're going to decide that you're going to break free from the dysfunction and become a whole person. And if you decide you're going to break free and become a whole person, then you have to embrace the wholeness that's all around you. That's trying to love you back into wholeness. And you're talking about listening to the inner demons. Those, those inner demons do stop talking when you stop, when you stop feeding them. There's this um, Native American proverb, I'm sure you've heard it before, uh, that uh, the, this, this old chief told this young, uh, young warrior. He said, uh, every, every man, every, every, every warrior has two wolves that live inside of them. Yeah. One wolf is good and wants good things for them. The other wolf is evil and wants to destroy them. And, uh, and both wolves are fighting each other for who's going to be mastered by the warrior. And the young warrior said, okay, I understand that. I, I can feel two wolves inside me too. Which wolf wins? And the old chief says, whichever one you feed. Mm, so true. And that ties in really nicely as well. So again, the conversation we were having before we started recording of mind over matter and I have become a really, really firm believer in the fact that not only can you choose which thoughts you cultivate, it takes strength, but you can also change the way that your body behaves by the way that you think. 
and I've experienced that firsthand. And so it's true. We all have certain choices at certain points in our life. We have certain choices at certain points in our day. And for sure, when we're in a relationship, and not just a romantic relationship, but any sort of relationship, we have a moment-by-moment -moment choice of how we react to that other person, including ourselves, the two wolves that live inside us. <laughs> and we can choose to behave out of our dysfunctionality, or we can choose to behave from a place of love and from where one would call our higher selves comes from. Yeah. It's down to choice. So I'm just going to speak from my, from my experience. Um, the choice thing is a big deal. And I think it's something we, we need to be aware of that the choice is, it, it's not a one-time decision. The yeah. choice is an, is an everyday decision. And sometimes it's multiple times an hour decision until yeah. like, and, and, until, until you make that shift in your heart and that yeah. shift in your mind to where it's just natural. And the reason I say it's not a one-time decision is I grew up in a really religious family and, um, and, the, and I, I live in a really religious community. And so there's, I think there's more churches per capita in my town than there are like, uh, you know, stores. Like we've got, we've got like, like three churches on every block. And so, but one of the thing, one of the things about religion and, and I'm, I'm a pretty spiritual person. I'm not a super religious person, which throws some people off. But, um, but one of the things about religion that when, when, you're, when you come up in that culture as a young person, you know, I, 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 was, I was told as a little boy that um, to avoid, you know, going to hell, I needed to say this one prayer this one time and then I'd be saved. Well, that's all good, fine, and well. But what that indoctrinated at me is that when I make a decision and I want something that's really big, because, I mean, not going to hell is a really big decision. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's an eternal, you know, cho choice that I was making at, like, you know, age seven. But, um, but, 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 but what, that, what that ingrained in me and what that did in my mind was when I want to make a, a very permanent decision for my life, all I need to do is make the decision one time. Mm. And when I make the decision one time, then it's good to go. And I don't ever have to worry about it again. Yeah. But that's a bullshit belief. Yeah. Because I'm going to possibly feel completely differently or not be as passionate about it two hours from now. But wait, like I, I already made the decision. So why am I feeling this way? And why am I thinking this way? And why am I doing things that are contradictory to what I said I was going to do two hours ago? Well, because you got to make the decision again, dude. Yeah. Like you make that decision over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until yeah. like you're not making the decision anymore. It's just who you are. Yeah. And we get outside of that place. Like th that's, that's the feeding of the wolves. Mm -hmm. Like you, when, when you, when you literally starve the bad wolf out and it's not, it's not only not biting or nipping or barking at you anymore. It's not even breathing at you anymore. It's just like, I'm freaking done, dude. Like done then you're not having to make the decision on well, which one of these wolves am I going to feed? Yeah. Yeah. And it, you just run. Yeah. It becomes, it becomes a habit rather yeah. than the constant need to make the right choice. <laughs> it becomes who you are. And, yeah. and then you're not, you know, then, then, then now you're having, now you're having to make different decisions that are more empowering decisions. So, so there's, you know, uh, I think our, our, uh, our friends will, will understand this. Uh, it's a video game. And I'm, I'm really old school. I don't play a lot of, of, you know, I don't play PlayStation 4 and Xbox and all this stuff. 
Um, so let's let's go back in time, back in the day when we had Super Nintendo. Yay! And, uh, <laughs> so with, with Super Nintendo, every single video game you played, with the exception of like Street Fighter Two, or even those, like um, each each like round or each each deal is a level, and you know level one is super easy. Like you can you can just barely be able to move your thumbs and press buttons, and you're probably going to do okay on level one. You should be able to beat it. You don't even have to have much of a brain to be able to, to, you know, make it past level one. It's that simple. Well, life is like that too. Like in some ways, like our, our level one challenges are, you know, that's the kindergarten of experience. You know, you, you, you've got to have some real, you know, issues with being able to just understand and cognitively function to not get past kindergarten. But as you go to different levels and you keep increasing, the challenges that you experience become harder and harder and harder. The situations look similar to what they have in the past. You know, the, some, some, of the, some of the fears come back, but they come back more intense and they hit you in a different place inside your heart. They hit a more like more sensitive area. It's not as surface level as it was. It's kind of like the ocean, like the, the deeper you go, the more pressurized it gets. Mm-hmm. You're still in the ocean, but you, you know, now the, now the pressure's hotter and tighter and it's, it, it's a lot different the deeper you go. And life is like that too. So you're experiencing some of the same things, but now you're at a different level. And because you're at a different level and you have a different skill set and you have mastered some of these, you know, areas of your consciousness, areas of your mindset and areas of your heart set, now you can handle bigger challenges. Now you can handle more, um, you can handle more. Yeah. And because you can handle more, you can be more, and you can do more, you can have more influence, you can have more success, you can have more peace, you can have a deeper level of peace, you can have a deeper level of happiness, you can have a deeper level of joy, deeper level of love, deeper level of everything. With that challenge and the intensity that it is, overcoming that challenge, the reward is greater on the other side. Yeah. You're not still getting like a, you know, you're not getting a one little token thing because you got past level one. Like now, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, at level 10, like the, the inner reward and, and the outer reward and everything that you feel after going through that challenge becomes that much better. That's why, you know, I'm a big fan of boxing. Yeah. I, in a lot of ways, my, my, my new book like pulls from a lot of boxing metaphors because that's actually where my idea for it came from. But like when you get to the place where you're fighting for a championship, two guys or girls in, in a ring together and like the, the title is on the line. These are the best of the best of the best. That's the ultimate challenge. Like that's not the level one challenge where like you're just, you know, two people trying to see if, you know, see what you're made of. Like that's, that's a different thing altogether. You're fighting the best of the best of the best. So it's going to require everything from you. It's going to require your preparation and your dedication and your commitment and your, your decision that no matter what you're going to push through, no matter what comes against you, you're not going to get rocked by it. You're going to keep going after it. That's the decision that we make as individuals that we make every single day. I'm going to step up to the challenge of being a champion today, right now. What is it going to require of me? All of me. Am I going to give it? Yeah, bet your ass I am. Am I going to stop? No. Yeah. Like making that decision over and over and over again. Is it going to cost me something? Yeah, probably or probably definitely it's going to cost me something. If it didn't cost me something, it'd be worthless. But you know what? Going back to what we've began this whole conversation with, I'm worth it. And because mm. I'm worth it, I'm going to press into this. I'm going to make it happen. Mm. And I think because the one question that I was thinking might be rising in people's minds as, as we've been having this conversation is going back to that well 
how do I keep my own well topped up? How do I make sure that I am strong enough and whole enough and grounded enough to be able to make the right choices kind of moment to moment? I was wondering if you had any tips for yeah, listeners. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, so actually, um, with all of the people that I work with in coaching, uh, regardless of what their big goals are and that regardless of whatever reason it is that they, that they want my help, everything always starts at this place because we are actually the obstacle that stands in the way of what it is that we're trying to get to. Hmm. It's not somebody else. It's not a lack of opportunities in our field. It's not that people aren't responding to us. It's not that the economy's bad. It's not that there isn't any money in the bank account. All these things are uh, reasons that our mind has told us so that we won't focus on what's actually going on. Hmm. The place that it always starts is like exactly what you said, it starts with our own well. And so when we think that it, when we think that the problem is something out on the peripheral atmosphere, the problem is the well is wrong. And so we have to, we have to change what's in here and, and do, do our part to fill it back up. And so uh, what I, what I, what I coach my clients on and what I did, and just to be clear, like, I do this every day. I can't advocate something or say like, Hey, this is what you need to do to have a good life. If I'm not doing it, that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this is, this is what I do. Um, I start my morning off with a, with gratitude and I've got a little like, um, series of things that I do gratitude wise. And I can share that with, with people if they want to know that all I have to do is email me. Um, but, uh, I start with gratitude and I, uh, I start with, Uh, intention for what I'm going to do for the day. And I commit myself to focusing on one specific thing that I'm going to, uh, that I'm going to work on for me. And then I've got a series of affirmations that I, that I write down. And then after I write them down, I read them. And the reason for me, and this, again, my advocating for this is because this is my practice. The reason I'm so big on not just saying it, like it's one thing if you already have it written down and you're just going to read it, but then that becomes almost like just tedious, boring, and your, your, your mind's not really engaged, your eyes are, and, and you're saying it, but like this connection and this connection is important. Like feeling it and believing it and running with it and being passionate about it, that's how you fill the heart well up mm. because what is the heart? The heart is your feelings and your emotions and your passion, and you can say one thing and not give a crap about it in here, and that's still going to be bone dry. Hmm. You want to fill this thing back up? You got to believe it. And writing it down takes effort because we're used to typing things out. <laughs> but when you're writing it down, pen and paper, man, it's such a, I mean, the pen is mightier than the sword and it's a hell of a lot mightier than your keyboard. Yeah. Like writing it down is a written contract with yourself in that place. And then reading it is a verbal contract with yourself in that place. And it's a verbal contract with you and your higher power slash God slash source slash the universe, whatever you want to call it. It's all the same thing. Truth Mm -hmm. is true no matter how you say it. But in every country, when you have a written contract and when you have a verbal contract, that's binding. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you live in Europe or you live in the States or you live in Canada or you live in Mexico or you live in South America or you live in Africa or you live in Asia or you live in Australia. It's a binding contract, but you're binding it with yourself and you're binding it with the universe. And so 
I do this practice because I'm, what I'm doing here is I'm committing to this work. And not only am I committing to this work, like I'm going to refill my well with affirmations of here's who I am. Here's my affirmations. This is what I read this morning and what I said this morning. I am love, which means I don't need somebody else to give me love because it's already who I am. I am strong. I don't need anybody else to tell me that I'm strong. I am strong. I am whole. I am solid. I am peace. I am joy. I am successful. I am growing in exponential ways. I have more than I could ever want. I have more than I need. I'm my I haves and my I am's super important way because all of these are statements of identity and statements yeah. of being. Yeah. And that's how you feel. That's the process. That's the practice that you fill yourself up with. And then you end up living from that place because you're telling yourself and you're telling the universe, I am all of the things that I want to be. Hmm. Not, I am depressed. I am sad. I am hmm. lonely. I am hmm. without. I, am, I don't have enough. Yeah. I am not enough. I'm hmm. never going to be successful. I'm never going to have what, all that yeah, shit. I'm limited. No. Yeah. Yeah. Do you change your affirmations day to day? There are about five or between five and 10 that stay consistent every day. Because to me, that's, you know, the, the growth farming, the heart garden, the mind garden. I'm, I'm cultivating the same seeds over and over and over and over and over again, because I don't want to just grow a garden. I want to grow a freaking tree orchard mm-hmm. of like sequoia, badass stuff inside of me. Yeah. All right. So every day I am love. Every day I am joy. Every day I am whole. Every day I am solid. Now, also, we're talking about healing a mendigo. How do you heal yourself? Um, I was married for about a dozen years to uh, someone that I loved with every little bitty ounce of me. And um, out of nowhere in 2017, she just said she was done and left. And that, uh, that, that shattered me in, in like indescribable ways. And so I've spent the past two years in a place of healing. Now, What's come out of that is I am 10 times the man, 10 times the empowerment agent, 10 times the, you know, vitamin D grant and vitamin D grant didn't exist in 2017. But like that healing work of planting that in here, Mm -hmm. that like being whole and being solid and being love, all of that was birthed out of the worst pit of hell that I have ever been in. Mm-hmm. And so if you have, if you find yourself in that place or you've been in that place or you've been trying to figure out how to get out of a tough place, planting wholeness and planting love and planting solidarity and planting joy, you don't feel joy, plant it in your heart. Mm-hmm. You don't feel happiness, plant it in your heart. Focus on it. Give yourself that. Mm-hmm. That's how you do this stuff. Mm-hmm. I would love actually to, I know Zabizo and Matthew both submitted uh, questions in the Facebook group. I'd love for us to move on to discussing a little bit more in depth those questions. So Zabizo asked, as a creative, I have chosen to put everything into mastering my craft, especially because I got a bit of a late start. I'm willing to sacrifice marriage and getting into serious relationship because of this. Am I looking at things in the wrong way? Because I truly feel that this is right for me. So, um, I think it's a matter, this goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago. It's a matter of your decision. So, and it's also a matter of what it is that you want. Now, 
I think the phrasing that he said is very interesting because it, it, if if you're saying I want to I want to have a successful career, but you're also saying I am going to sacrifice having a relationship or getting married or having a family, that sounds like that's something that you actually want, right? Because if if you didn't want it, it wouldn't be a sacrifice. I don't drink soda. I'm not sacrificing not drinking soda. I just don't give a shit. I don't want that stuff. But I'm also now not drinking beer. That's a sacrifice because I like craft beer. It tastes good. Mm. And it's what most of my friends are drinking. And so when I'm hanging out with my friends and I'm drinking water, like I'm sacrificing something that I want Mm. because I, and I'm sacrificing it because for my body and my health and my exercise regime, it doesn't serve me to try to do live in both of those worlds. Mm. And I hope that this metaphor makes a little bit of sense Mm. Uh, because if you want to have a successful career and you feel like you're not going to be able to have that if you try to do that and be in a relationship at the same time, that's a belief you have to address. But if you don't want this thing over here, you don't want a relationship, you don't want to get married, you don't want all that stuff, then why is it even a part of the conversation? Mm. You just focus on your career. Mm. I think that based on the way that the question is phrased, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking at you, you know, face to face, dude. So like, uh, I can't, and, I, and we haven't had a one-to-one conversation. I'd love to have it sit down and have a one-to-one conversation with you. Um, in a, in a situation like this, and I, and I'm opening that up to everybody that's watching. Like I'm, I'm the, I'm the growth farmer, but I'm the relationship guy. Like, so, and, I, and I'm serious about that. Liz will tell you, like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll provide my email address email me, we can have a sit down face to face conversation like this. And I can get to know what your story is and be able to help you more. But based on the question as it's phrased, it is a sacrifice if you're talking about it. It's not a sacrifice if you're not. So if you want to have a successful career, but you're afraid that you can't, you can't focus on career and focus on relationship at the same time because the two can't go together, then what you're really doing is trying to cut off your arm and say, I want to be a professional drummer. Unless you're the dude from Def Leppard, good luck. That's, I mean, that, that, that's, it sounds to me like you actually want to be in a relationship and, and you want to, you want to, you want to have that. And there's a part of you that's like, ah, I really want that, but I will sacrifice that because what's more important to me right now is the career. And if that's the case, then addressing what you need to do for career wise, but still allowing your, like hold it with an open hand instead of clenching it. Like I I can't have this, but I want it. Like Mm. hold it with an open hand. Mm -hmm. I think one's past experience of relationships as well really taints their opinion about what a relationship means and especially the impact that that can have on someone who is pursuing a creative career. Like I, I, I had a string, but it's also who I was in the past as well. I had relationships that sapped me of my energy, distracted me from what I wanted to do. Um, generally on the whole, we're a bit toxic and codependent, but I was half of each of those relationships and Mm -hmm. who I was, was half of each of those relationships as well. And, you know, I've done, as you know, I've done a ton, a lot of work on myself over the last decade, especially. And fast forward to the present day now, I find myself in a 
in a partnership relationship, like with somebody else who is also a creative, we're very similar in a lot of ways, but we're also very different in a lot of ways. But no matter what, going back to what you were saying earlier, we are partners. Like we do our best to help each other along our journeys. So, you know, he is my rock in my creative endeavors. And, you know, he, he says I'm his muse in his creative endeavors. And that's one example of how when you're a solid person, you attract another solid person. Like I don't, in a relationship, it's not two halves that make the relationship, it's two holes that make a relationship. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So like what I would say to, to Zabizo is, you know, like, and I really agree with you, Dee, you know, like if, if you're using the word sacrifice, like you're willing to sacrifice marriage and getting into a serious relationship, that means that you're, you're willing to let go of something that perhaps you want. And I don't know if that's just because, you know, you chose to work to use that particular word just out of a habitual use of language, or if it has, is actually your heart saying, I do kind of want this, but your mind is going, yeah, but you're not allowed to have it, you know, because mm-hmm. having that means X, Y, and Z. So mm-hmm. I'd say, Zabizo, like carry on doing what you're doing, carrying, carry on honing your craft, carry on improving the way that you relate to yourself and the way that you speak to yourself and the way that you speak to other people and behave towards other people. Um, don't, don't shut the door totally on relationships because you never, you just, you don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what's in the future. You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know where your journey as a creative is going to take you. Um, so just keep it open. You know, that's what I say. Yeah. Open hands, man, not closed doors. Yeah. Open hands, open hands. <laughs> Matthew also submitted a really interesting question. He asks, have you, have you advice on maintaining a realistic focus when things are going well? Advice on keeping a level head and remaining focused and positive would be appreciated. When I realize things are wrong, I find it easier to identify how to address things and get, and get nervous when there isn't an obvious issue to tackle. So uh, what I, and I love that question, man, because it's so <laughs> unique too. and uncommon. And Matthew's a very unique and uncommon person, so um, I really appreciate him vocalizing. Here, here's, what, here's what that tells me about you, Matthew, is that you are a problem solver and you operate best when there is a goal and there is uh, almost like there's a fire that needs to be put out. You're kind of like, you know, you're, you're like an EMT or an emergency, you know, rescue person. Like, because, and, and, and when, when, the, when there's a fire, like, you know, exactly what steps to take and who, who, to, who to rescue first and like how to make sure everything's cool. But then when there's no fire, it's like, well, it's kind of like a superhero. Like if, if somebody's not crying for help, like, you know, does Batman and Superman go down the street and just have coffee with each other? <laughs> I, know, I know they do at the end of all of those episodes of How It Should Have Ended, which is a fantastic cartoon you should totally look up on, uh, on YouTube. But, like, if there's not somebody to rescue, like, what, does, what, what, what do heroes do? If there's not a project and something to really, like, if, there, if there's not a problem to solve, like, what is it that, that, that a problem solver does? And from, from what I'm hearing you say, again, um, and it's strange how psychology plays such a role in all these things. But uh, I, what I'm hearing you say, Matthew, is that you want to understand how you can live in a peaceful place, but still have purpose in a peaceful place. Where when things are working out for you, how can you continue to operate out of excellence instead of waiting for something to catch on fire so that you can spring into action and, and, and be purposeful? 
So my suggestion, my, my advice is this comes back down to what we were talking about a minute ago in terms of like the affirmations and the, how do you operate every day? If you're in a place of like feeling broken and you're like, okay, well, my job now is to heal. Then, you know, there's a series of steps that you need to take every single day to get to a place of wholeness. But when you get to a place of wholeness, well, now that you're not having to heal in the same ways anymore, what do you do? Cause I, I don't feel insecure and I don't feel unworthy. So I, I guess everything's okay. What I found is that when I stop doing the work because I think everything is normal, that's when I go backwards. Hmm. So what if excellence is operating out of the same mentality of excellence and still pushing yourself forward and still doing the work regardless of whether there's a problem to be solved or not. It's just who you are. And you're doing it out of a place of wholeness and out of a place of rest. So it's not laborious to you to do the work. It's just natural for you. This mm -hmm. is who you are. Mm -hmm. So you're still, you're still creative. You're still giving. You're still making something that makes a difference. You're still helping other people be better at what it is that they do. But now you're operating from a different place. You're still doing the same stuff. You're just operating out of a different place and your, your mindset and your heart set is in a more whole and full place and you feel more at peace doing this than like, crap, I've got to get this done or everything's going to fall apart. Mm. And so that's, that's more about the, um, that's more about the, the motivation and more about the reason and less about the work, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's really good advice. I understand when, when things are calm and good, feeling like, okay, I don't want to become a lazy person. Because mm -hmm. when, when there's something that's required of you and there's people that need you, then yeah, you're in this active work mode and mm -hmm. doing mode. Or, when, or when, when you're the one that needs to be served and, and taken care of and you've got the big goal, like you're, you're, you spring into action and you're just going at it hardcore, like you're going to knock the crap out of this thing. Mm -hmm. But when, when all that stuff slows down, the fear, and I, I have that fear too, man. Like, or no, I don't, I don't have the fear. I deal with the fear. I face the fear of, well, now that things are cool and I don't like on my agenda today, for instance, on my agenda today, after I do a series of things this morning, like I've got a pretty open calendar. So the, the negative wolf in my head's like, okay, well, dude, what, you know, you're going to go, uh, you're going to go do this thing and goof off. You're going to go talk to these people and goof off. And then the other wolf in my head's like, no, man, you've got a crowdfunding campaign. You've got to prepare for which I do. You've got uh, a speech you've got to prepare for on Friday, which I do. And so which one of these wolves am I going to feed? Mm -hmm. It's still the same thing. My life is still peaceful. Mm. My life is still whole. My days aren't consumed with a bunch of negative emotions and negative feelings and stuff. I have an open schedule, but I still have to decide which wolf am I going to feed. Mm. So now it's a place of I'm coming at this from excellence versus coming out of this, coming at this from brokenness where I've got to do this stuff because I'm going to die if I don't. No, yeah. I'm going to be just fine because I'm in an excellent place, but I'm going to feed the wolf that I want to win, not yeah. the one that wants to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, what I had brewing actually to say as well. I was, as I was listening to you talking, I was just kind of feeling into Matthew and I, I kind of just sensed that there was this thing inside him, the wolf probably, that needed to feel needed. And that when mm. he wasn't feeling needed, he 
maybe he was feeling a bit redundant and that perhaps made him feel nervous when there wasn't an obvious issue to tackle. So mm. what I would suggest as well is just become aware of that, that thought, you know, and that, <clears throat> that uneasiness that you experience when you notice there isn't an, an obvious issue to tackle and stop buying into the belief that you do get nervous when there isn't an obvious issue to tackle. Start feeding the wolf that is able to remain calm when everything's at peace and start mm. enjoying the calm when everything's at peace. Because let's face it, those moments in life are pretty rare. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, okay, hold on. That's a belief too. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, start feeding the wolf that is able to enjoy the peace and the calm. Yeah, and then become that wolf. Yeah, brilliant. Well, Matthew, I hope that helps. And Dee, you mentioned your book earlier on in the conversation. I would love for you to tell listeners a bit more about that. So, um, something that, that Liz and I were talking about uh, before we started the, the, the reporting. Um, I, uh, this is a little, little bit of context. Um, uh, I, uh, I grew up with, with being bullied and picked on a whole lot because I was a runt. And, and in some ways I still, I'm a, I'm a small, smaller frame person, but um, uh, I grew up with, with this, this fear, this lifelong fear um, that I had from being a little kid on into my late twenties that I was going to like at any interaction with people that I was friends with or people that I didn't know, like if, if things went sour, then it was going to turn into like a fist fight and I was going to get beat up. Like I'd already decided that that was a belief that was in my head and, and I was, I was deathly afraid of it. There was this uh, scenario I was standing on a street corner in uh, 2007, 2008. And there was a guy on the other side of the street. All I needed to do was walk a block and a half. There's a guy on the other side of the street or a traffic light. And he looked kind of he looked kind of thuggish to be to be really honest. And I made a gigantic judgment call against him, and and it was not right for me to do that. It's not right for me to judge him, but it was also not right for me, and from a self love standpoint, to operate out of fear. And and because of the judgment that I made, I assumed this guy was going to jump me, he was going to beat me up, and he was going to take my money. And instead of just walking across the street like a normal human being would. I went an extra four blocks to avoid the situation. And as I was around, and I justified it by saying I was going to get some exercise. As I'm, block, as I'm riding the corner, this little voice pops in my head that was like, dude, how long are you going to live this way? You're a grown-ass man. They can't cross the street. You got you to deal with the situation. So my method of dealing with the situation was I decided to join a boxing gym. Because if I'm going to, if I'm going to face my fear of getting beat up, I might as well like actually face my fear of getting beat up what that led to was two years of not only learning how to box and i'm not a good boxer so don't don't take that the wrong way but like i i, I overcame my fear of physical confrontation but what that also taught me coach rebus like ingrained in us these what became like lifelong principles that i've lived by i've managed my businesses by and I've operated out of from the past 10 years. 
So about uh, three years ago now, in 2016, I started writing a book about these principles. And uh, the first one was called Be Solid. And it was about how to be a solid business person. Well, as I had finished writing roughly like 75% of the manuscript, um, my life fell apart because my marriage ended out of nowhere. And uh, as I was in my pit of hell, feeling like I was worthless, and all of the feelings that I had about my my self-esteem, my worthiness, whether or not I was enough that I'd been afraid of my whole life. And now suddenly it was like, okay, well, you must not be worthy. You must not be enough because if you were, then this wouldn't be happening. And as all this stuff is happening, the two wolves in my head, the one wolf, the wolf that wants to kill me is telling me I'm not enough and that I'm, I'm awful and I'm worthless and I'm, I'm crap. And I'm not, I mean, all, all those terrible things that you feel when your heart's been ripped out by somebody that you love with with everything that you are but the other wolf was my coach my boxing coach and he was saying be solid be solid be solid you are more than this you can handle this you can rise above this you can overcome this there's more to you than what you're feeling you can get to the other side but you have to believe that and so my book changed from being about business to being about how to overcome the most ridiculous gut-wrenching hell of your own personal life experience and dealing with loss. And for me, that was heartbreak. And Mm -hmm. so the book's going to come out in a couple months. It's called be solid, how to go through hell and come out whole. And I ended up like not just diving into that principle from boxing, but like living out that principle. And so what the, what the book is about is it's about, the steps that I took, I don't, I, I tell a little bit about my personal story, but like the, the details of my, of my relationship with my former partner, um, are, are, are our business, but like the, the method about like, cause heartbreak is a human condition. All of us have experienced that in some form or fashion. And some of us are still probably wrestling with some of the like lingering worth and self, um, self-worth identity issues that have come from years and years and years ago experiencing something that was just gut-wrenchingly destructive and you're still carrying that with you so what this book is about is it's about it's about how to become a whole person and one of the things that i learned in this process is there's gold inside of all of us but you have to believe that there's gold inside of you and not only that when you go through something that is like a personal hell what is hell it's really hot. What happens to gold for it to become the most valuable, solid, wonderful, worthy gold that it can possibly be? It has to go through a purification fire. And in that purification fire, all the shit that's on it that makes it not as worthy gets burned off and it hurts. But when it comes out on the other side, it is pure and solid and wonderful and the most worthy thing in the whole world. And so what my book is about, is it's about how to go through that hellacious process and embrace the process and embrace the healing. And, and I, I talk about the practical, applicable steps to take, what, who to surround yourself with, what to let go of, and how to become that whole person that you want to be. So just like Liz said a second ago, so you can attract that wholeness back into you because we attract who we are. So you, you want to have a whole healthy, solid relationship with real people, or you want to have true love because you lost the love that you had. Okay. I totally understand that. I want that too. But getting to a place where I'm operating 
100% of the time out of wholeness and I can be patient with the process and wait for the right relationship to come along instead of me trying to chase after it or you trying to chase after it, that's what this book is about. And I'd love to share it with you. I've got an opportunity for you to become an early reader if you want. Um, all you have to do is email me. Here's my email address, dgrant, D-G-R-A-N-T, at dgrantsmith.com. And if you email me from this, I will uh, get you plugged into uh, some Be Solid stuff. And uh, we'll set up a time for you and I to talk. If you've got some questions about anything that, that I've said or that Liz has said and you want to you know more perspective, uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you, get to see you and hear your voice and see your face and have that interaction. That'd be great. Awesome. Yeah. Anyone that's listening to this podcast episode, please take D up on that offer. I'm not kidding you when I say he's one of the most extraordinary human beings I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Oh, that, that, that's you, my friend. That's you. <laughs> he's totally awesome. So definitely. And just, yeah, just say to him that you're getting in touch with him as a result of listening to the Daging Believers podcast and he'll know, he'll know where you're coming from. So Dee, thank you so, so much. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Uh, the, the pleasure is all mine, Liz. You are, uh, you are a, uh, you're a fireball of joy and excitement and life and love and beauty and awesomeness. And so thank you for, thank you for giving me this opportunity to, to share uh, something that I'm very passionate about with other people, but also for another opportunity for us to, us to just talk and, and see how, how, how like, like attracts like. So you and I have been in very similar places coming from very similar places and get into a very similar place of understanding all kinds of different things. And so a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, here uh, today has is evidenced by just the simple fact that we're having the conversation. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Well, um, well, again, thank you so much, Dee, and I uh, really look forward to having you back on the show again because that's inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, winner. Like <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. It's my pleasure to be able to bring you guests who are experts in their field to help you continue walking the path of your dreams. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'd love to know what you thought of it. So please do remember to subscribe in iTunes and give us a little rate and review. If the show resonated with you, please share it with someone you think would benefit from it. If you have a question or topic you'd like answered on the podcast, head to lizchirelli.com forward slash contact and pop me a message. If you'd like to join my coaching community, Daydream Believers, and connect with me on a deeper level, you can become a patron. Just head to patreon.com forward slash lizchirelli, where you can sign up quickly and easily. As a patron, you'll get access to the full range of my coaching packages, plus you'll get exclusive early access to all of my musical output.